welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. I am Jessica, your host today, and I am thrilled to have on today. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for having me. I'm Elizabeth Winthrop Alsop, author of a book called Daughter of Spies, Wartime Secrets, Family Lies, which is a memoir. Yeah. So this is so obviously so you've written a lot of books before, but this one, um, this one is very personal. It's a memoir. And um would you like to kind of bring us through the history of this story and sort of what um, brought you to want to write it? Sure. Um, so I was a child, I am the child of a famous father, a journalist named Stuart Alsop. And uh, when I was growing up, the focus was all on my father. Uh, he wrote his own memoir, books were written about him. He published many, many books and articles. And my mother was very quiet. So we did not really understand or know what her life had been about. She was a British war bride. She married my father when she was 18. She was raised in Gibraltar, which is a very odd place to grow up. And she was a decoding agent for MI5, the British Secret Service. And she got that job when she was 17. So she lived through much of the worst bombings in London. But when we were growing up, she just let daddy's family kind of take over. She took a back seat. And as uh, when I was grown up and had grown children, etc., I suddenly began to say, well, wait a minute. I wrote a novel called Counting on Grace, which was about a little girl. And I found that child after I finished the historical novel. She was dead, but I found her whole genealogy and history. And I thought, I know more about this little girl than I do about my own mother. So that drove me to start interviewing her. And this once she got into the rhythm of it, she's British. So it was very keep calm and carry on. You don't complain. You don't talk about bad times. But once I got her going, out came the stories filled with the most amazing detail. And she had incredible recall and she was a very good storyteller. So that's what really got me started on this book. That must have been really crazy. Just you know, not knowing this big backstory of your own uh, mother and how, so talk a little bit, I guess, about how you mentioned that she was a British war bride. How did your father and mother come together? Okay, so my father was um, desperate to get into the army in the 1941, 40, basically in 41. And he was turned down by the American army because he had high blood pressure and asthma. So he found a British regiment that it would accept Americans. And the only question they asked was, did he have 20-20 vision? They didn't care about his heart, they didn't care about his asthma. So he arrived in England in April of 1942, much earlier than most of the American soldiers. He was trained in Winchester, England, 
and he was um, invited to a party in Yorkshire, which was, he by that time he'd gone up to York, so it was the northern part of England. This party was held in a baronial castle that was kind of falling apart, and it was the last party before the Royal Canadian Air Force took over the whole castle. And my mother was there because her best friend's father owned this castle. So they were set, seated next to each other, my mother and father. My mother was 16 and my father was 28. And apparently the only thing she said to him was between bites because she was so hungry because she was living on rations in England. She looked at him and said, you look like a criminal because he'd had all his hair cut off, of course, as a soldier. That was the only word she spoke to him. And he fell in love. He did not like women who chattered. <laughs> well, I, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like that's what everybody got then as, you know, um, and as a spy, you yeah. have to keep your secrets anyway. So that it sounds like she was well-suited to him in that way and also well-suited to being a spy. But um, so how, so yeah, so your relationship though, you know, it, it sort of evolved. How did it change when you found all of this information out about her? Well, the thing that was very tough for me, first of all, I have five brothers, no sisters. I'm the only child, the only girl, and I'm number three. Um, and my mother held herself because she was British and for other reasons, she held herself very apart from her children. Um, she sadly was an alcoholic. She found that uh, it was very scary to enter into the world of post-war Washington as an 18-year-old pregnant bride. And so a little drink helped smooth things over. But that became a serious problem. So my whole childhood, I was sort of more the adult than my mother. I brought up, I helped bring up my younger children, my younger boys, brothers, and a little girl, a sister who sadly died at three months. Um, and my mother was often locked in her bedroom. When she was 51, she stopped drinking and got sober. So we had a wonderful relationship from then until she became about 82 was when she got dementia. So for the last four years of her life, she, she had dementia, which was very difficult and really made me angry because I felt like I had her, I lost her, I had her, and then I lost her again. Um, but the thing that happened with these interviews and this talk was we had a whole new way of communicating with each other. I, I had huge pride in her and in what she had done, I kept trying to push her to say, mommy, wasn't this scary? Wasn't this dangerous? Oh, she said you were 18, 16. You didn't care. You thought you were mortal. That's the way it felt. But it really got to us to a deeper level. And particularly with the dementia, because if I could, if I could read her, for example, my father wrote all these letters back to his parents about my mother and said, I've met the woman I'm going to marry, you know, sort of five days later, etc. So I read those letters to her. She said to me, I'd never heard those letters, because she hadn't seen them, they'd gone to his parents. And that would trigger memories, even when she was not being able to remember who came for lunch the hour before, she just would go back into that past. So it was like, we found a way to each other. 
And it was a huge blessing for me in those last years of her life. So like what, first of all, how did she even get into this career um, of hers? How yeah. did she dis discover this, you know, invincibility of being 16 and 18? I think, um, I think she, she went to boarding school, a Catholic boarding school. And I think it really rankled her. She wanted, she felt very imprisoned, very, uh, which she was in fact. And the nuns all kept saying, don't listen to the news. Don't pay any attention. And that kind of got her down. And then she graduated from there and had the option of applying to go to her Oxford. She was that brilliant. But her parents said, no, you must do war work. So they sent her to secretarial school. And she found that irritating. She had just gotten out of boarding school. Now she was in the secretarial school. Well, somebody, this is the kind of thing that happened to teenage girls in those days. The boys were all going to war. They were all doing war work. So this, my grandmother was standing in a rations line at Harrods. And somebody behind her who she knew said, my daughter Rosie is pregnant and is giving up her job in the passport office. Does Tish, my mother's name was Patricia, but she was called Tish, does Tish want it? And my grandmother said, yes. Mommy jumped at the opportunity, went to go to the passport office and was told she had to sign the Official Secrets Act. And she said to work in the passport office? Well, it turned out that wasn't the job. And they sent her up to the fifth floor and she was a decoding agent. She had a real core of invincibility in her and the war even brought it out more. And I do think it has to do with being a teenager and feeling that you are immortal. That's, that's basically what often happened when she would talk to me about those years. So like Bopers, did, did she, I mean, was she, really willing to talk about it um was she like or did she still sort of have this spy mentality you know that like, well you know I don't know if I'm really supposed to say this or were you just like mom you know what about this and she's just like that's classified <laughs> like that's just yes. not, not talking about that she actually didn't by the end, but I'll tell you when when all of the reports came out about what happened during the war in the 1980s, 1990s, she was furious. She said, these people have signed the Official Secrets Act. How could they be writing memoirs, etc.? So she had that mentality. And then, as I say in the book, she, you know, my father jumped behind enemy lines into France the night before he jumped. She told him she didn't actually work at the passport office in case he never came back. And my father said, you know, I'm jumping into France, but I can't tell you where. So they had this habit of secrecy and that kept through the marriage. And that was she hid her drinking for a long time. He hid things from her about where he was traveling. It was a habit of secrecy that wasn't a healthy thing in the end. It followed them into the marriage. So it, you know, you were just talking about just how difficult it was to sort of find your mother and then start to lose her again. Um, was writing the book, was that sort of a way to like kind of keep that flame going? <laughs> 
Yes, good question. Um, I started off by writing the book saying this is going to be, maybe this is going to be a novel. You know, I've published 50 books, 50 works of fiction for all readers. So I was very used to the novel idea. But as I sat there and I did an enormous amount of research, and as I was writing their story, I thought this is flat on the page because I wasn't there. And the reader knows I couldn't have been there. I wasn't born yet. So then I thought, let me do a braided narrative. Let me go back and forth between what it's like to be with mommy now and what it, what it was like for her in London. And I think it lifted the story off the page and allowed me to contrast those two things so that in the book, you'll read about a romantic moment with my father. And then the next, there'll be a time space. And then you'll, you'll see that I got a call from the doctor saying she's not sleeping well. What are we going to do about it? That kind of thing went back and forth. However, when it came to part two, and it's my childhood in part two, I did not put anything in about my mother's present day situation. And that shocked me when I was doing it. But in looking back, I thought that little girl never got center stage because of her mother's drinking. So she's getting it in this book. That central part is not going to go back and forth. It's going to be focused on me and the child I was and became. And then in part three, I go back to the back and the braided narrative. Um, so it, it was a way to find her again, really. It's, you know, as I said, she wasn't there in the beginning. I found her in the middle. And then the third part was a way of coming back to her and keeping that communication open. Even at the end, when she couldn't remember anything, she called me love because she couldn't remember my name. My brother would go down to the um, nursing home where she was, and he'd call me and say, what do I do? She can't keep up a conversation. I said, show her the video. Show her the video she did of her life in Gibraltar. Show her the video she did of World War II. And it would just lift her back up. Even sometimes she didn't know who was speaking. She didn't know it was her own voice but it would just lift her back up. And then she'd give you another detail. I said to her once, you know, what, what about grandfather who worked in the, you know, the kind of home guard? She burst out laughing and said, oh, we call that the dad's army. Or another time, and it's in the video, when I showed her a picture of her at the coronation of King George VI, who's Queen Elizabeth's father, I said, you know, what happened there? And she said, oh, well, that's because Edward abdicated. And she burst into song. Hark the herald angels sing. Mrs. Wallace stole our king. I mean, it's just, I never heard things like that. It was amazing. Yeah, you know, that is somehow I feel like hearing things like that shows how uh similar <laughs> generations are because they'll it's all true. have their their shade that they'll throw <laughs> exactly but and you know I, I for sure i mean there's very few narratives that show people being um particularly fond of wallace simpson in that whole situation <laughs> back then so right that right. seems very um believable but i have never heard that one before <laughs> yes it's very true to the moment and came right out of her childhood because she was born in 26 and the right. inaugural he abdicated in 36 so she was 10 
So, but, but she know, was. I, a, I wonder though, as, as a spy, and you know, especially World War II, did she ever express to you how um, she felt things might have been different if he hadn't abdicated? That's an interesting question. She, yeah, it could have definitely gone the other way because he loved Hitler. Yeah, um, but she <laughs> did not. We didn't get into that conversation, but that's very interesting. I would have loved to have asked her that. Yeah, that was, you know, that was just kind of something that, I, you know, I, it was just something that just came to me now. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can you can say many things about how things might have gone very differently had that not happened. Um, but exactly. for sure, most media and, you know, as your mother's childhood uh, song just confirmed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that, there was very little um, there was very little love for Wallace Simpson, but, you know, exactly. nobody knows what kind of king her, you know, um, her husband would, her have, husband been. would have been. So yeah. it's uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I really want to thank you for sharing so much of yourself and your family in this mm. book. Um, it's really interesting to hear why you opted to go for memoir versus fictionalized. I think and maybe this is just me kind of taking it you know but it must be very difficult to really fiction like to fictionalize right historical fiction about people you know people you grew up with your parents exactly that was exactly what i came to i i couldn't do it and uh the other there are a couple of things daughter of spies uh is really an emotional title as well as a realistic title. You know, Daddy Jumped Behind Enemy Lines. All, a lot of his best friends worked for the CIA. Every time he came home from a, a trip, he was debriefed by the CIA or the FBI. So there were spy qualities in both of them, but it's really more kind of an, of an emotional title. Um, and that, that opened it up for me because I could not, as you say, I think it would be, I don't know anybody who's fictionalized, well, I, I can't say that, but it's very hard to do uh, with people you know as well as your parents. And I was relieved to find a way to tell this story because I love the story. And I thought, 16-year-old war bride brought up in Gibraltar. Oh, the most amazing thing to me is the day that my father and mothers sat next to each other at that dining room table, which I have gone and seen in the old castle. It's still there. The day was August 31st, 1942. That was the exact day that her only brother was killed in the war in North Africa. And the confluence of that, and I, you know, the romantic novelist likes to say, Uncle Ian pushed daddy in front of mommy and said, I will not be here. You have to take care of her. So it just, it just was a story that begged to be told for me. Thank you so much. Really. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for sharing this with us. Thank you for sharing the story. Uh, the book is out. What is it? October 25th. October 25th. Yes. This seems like it. it's going to have, you know, like, I, I mean, there's just so much that I think people are going to get. There's a lot of people who like to read um, World War II memoirs mm -hmm. and, you know, parental care and it's got everything. So thank you so thank much for you. sharing it with us. Well, thank you, Jessica, for having me. I really appreciate it. Once again, this was Jessica with Sayoset Public Library. Our guest was... Elizabeth Winthrop Alsop. 
and we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.